Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 8, where we talk about more wine myths, because we ran out of time in the last episode. <laughs> wine marts. Wine marts. Wine myths, part 2. Exactly. Okay, um, how about the um, concept that red wine uh, should be paired with meat and white wine should be paired with fish, Linda? Um, so, uh, look... I personally, um, as I said, I'm a seasonal drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, by that, I change what I I drink depending on my mood. Um, with the if it's hotter day, I will have a, either a rosé or a chilled red. Um, I don't get too caught up in what I'm eating with it. I I more focus on how it's cooked and what spices or seasoning is with it, rather than um you know, oh, it's a red meat or it's white fish or anything like that. So if I was having, say, monkfish with chorizo and, and beans in a, in a tomatoey sauce. Chorizo. Chorizo. I would, you know, happily go for a red, even with a bit of spice to that, mm-hmm. that primitivo. Right? Like, I don't mind that because mm-hmm. even though the, the monkfish is a white fish, it's it's chunkier and it tastes more... Um, there's more meaty. to the... Yeah, meaty, meaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I... And again... I suppose the other way around, I wouldn't have a white wine with a nice fillet steak, do you know, um, personally, but a big full body Chardonnay, you can Mm -hmm. enjoy. Now, that's not personally for me, but what about you? Yeah, similar to you, it's all about what's the accompaniment, what's the sauce, is there spice? So like recently, I think I had some sort of um, a beef, um, seared beef salad with different spices going on and so on. And but it was a salad. So even though beef, you think red, mm-hmm. still it had a lot of aromatic spices to it and everything. So I wanted an aromatic white. Okay. Um, um, because I think spice really can kill a red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what you said about the fish, I think um, a meaty fish like uh, monkfish, like halibut, even cod. And if it's served with, say, it was a bean cassoulet or, mm-hmm. as you say, chorizo or whatever. <laughs> Um, it definitely can take a, like a lighter bodied red. So there's no hard and fast rule, but I do think generally speaking, it does break my heart a little bit when I see somebody having like a a steak and or ordering like a beef burger or something and then having light white wine. Just What about chicken wings, spicy chicken wings? Oof, that's a good one. Beer. Oh, do you know, beer. <laughs> beer is good. Because your hands are too messy. And you yeah, get or messy. if you're sticking to a red, you might go, I would go maybe uh, a, a spicier red. So okay. like the Blau Frankish or, so you know, Austrian. So, so, yeah, yeah, something with a little bit of a kick like, in terms of a spice to it. Um, uh, I wouldn't rule out a white either. But um, so... On Christmas Day, Linda, because I think oh, roast yeah, chicken, yeah. I think Brilliant. roast chicken and roast sort of turkey and stuff like that poultry can really split the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I have both <laughs> roast chicken. Well, that's a good and one. the rest. Well, say, say on a roast chicken, taking roast chicken, an ordinary roast chicken dinner. Yeah. What do you normally drink? I usually I usually drink a, a, a medium oak chardonnay. Same. Oh, yeah. So then roast turkey, Christmas, Christmas I Day I usually dinner. have a... By the way, we should do a whole episode. No, on we are. Cri- Christ- yeah, we- of course we are. Of course, yeah. Okay. Um, I usually have a Pinot Noir 
um, because you've got your your ham that's salty and you've got all your trimmings and all the rest as well. Good. Um, so a Pinot Noir or um, what? A Cote Rhone because it's mm-hmm. you know not everyone loves a Pinot. Uh, I find Cote Rhone has enough of everything. It's not it, you know my family drink anything really that I give them. Um, what's the white? I would have a really good. Um, uh, really, probably uh, Chardonnay as well. Oh, nice! So I have both. Good uh, Christmas in my house starts wow, off well. Santa Claus comes with a breakfast time. Breakfast time, yeah, we'll definitely do an Lovely. episode on Christmas. Yes. Can't wait. Well, no, I can't wait because it's months away. So yeah, yeah, we have to wait. But no, but the episode we can do in advance. So people 100%. be thinking about their dinner and their wine pairings, of course. Well, for me, last Christmas, I I change it up every year. I like yeah, to, but I do like a more fuller bodied, more sort of complex white. I like the Burgundian styles, mm-hmm. the more oaky Burgundian styles white. And last year I chose um, the Neaport Reserva Branco that you and I <gasps> both tasted oh at a, a wine a portfolio tasting. And since then I've been um, buying it in to uh, to where I work and I selected it for my Christmas dinner and it was absolutely gorgeous. And you gifted me a bottle for my birthday. Oh, that's right. I did drink it without you. Sorry about that. It's gorgeous. So <laughs> I think that's a recommendation from both of us, 100%. Definitely. We have to do and, and explain that wine. And and then I have half the family are really still into their kind of traditional Riojas. Mm-hmm. So I love uh, Marques y Murieta. Okay. I think it's a real classic. Rioja. Oh, Murietta, yes. Yeah. I love that wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can get that in Magnum as well. Yes. Which is a nice little thing. Okay. This is not That's the Christmas okay. epi- episode. Moving on. Okay. Another myth, uh, Linda. Screw cap equals low quality wine. Um, this is a myth that needs to be completely debunked because as it's it's not true. Uh, screw cap wines became fashionable um, about hmm, 15 or so years ago when the New World countries, by the New World I mean Australia, New Zealand, Chile, USA, um, Argentina and South Africa, um, basically brought out screw caps, an easy way to open a bottle of wine that you didn't need a corkscrew, that you could just twist and open and go. Um, And basically, you know, it just helped people to find wine more approachable for the consumer and a lot of these uh, this is going completely on a tangent bear with me mm-hmm. um, <laughs> no, the New World are. wines made it really um, easy for consumers to buy their wine mm-hmm. okay what I mean by that is they put a screw cap on and they put the grape variety on the label as well mm-hmm. so they said this is a Chardonnay twist and open and off you go whereas if you to look to France and see a Burgundy wine it said Macon Village and you're like, OK, thanks. I need a corkscrew and I need to know a little bit more about what I'm buying here. So screw caps made it um, my wine more approachable for the everyday consumer that didn't have to, you know, have gadgets or tools or anything like that. Um, the quality of wines that are under them go from absolute entry level to high, high quality wines. Um, Eden... Well, it's Pusey Vale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a reason I absolutely adore. I think it's Eden Valley. Yeah. That has been under screw cap for, for a long time, as has um, Cloudy Bay. Loads of the New Zealand wineries in particular um, have their, their wines. And, and Penfolds, as far as I know, offer it to consumers, screw cap or cork, mm-hmm. some of their wines. Um, so I suppose it depends on the market that it's going to. But I think we have to have embraced the, the whole screw cap um, as it not being just for low quality wines um, for, for, for the masses. 
I have so much to say. You need to buzz me and, and give, thank you. Because <laughs> I could talk about this topic for a long time, but we'll leave that at that. Have you I, anything? To yeah, add? I was actually going to say, I think this warrants a whole episode because there's so much to say about closures, the different types of closures. There's so much advanced technology when it comes to mm-hmm. um, closures and screw caps in particular. Um, but there's a bit of a debate over... Um, should a wine with ageability yeah. be uh, have a have a screw cap? I was just thinking about um, Chester Osborne. He's mm. the winemaker in in Darmberg. Um, yeah, who wore dead crazy ma- mad shirts. shirts. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, yeah he's a unique character, and um, he swears by screw caps, even for his big reds, his big bold reds, which is quite a you know mm-hmm. a daring thing. Um, but from what I have read, there's still not enough uh, because it's not screw long caps, enough. Yeah. yeah, because screw caps are are relatively new. Um, there's still not enough evidence or studies done around how a wine evolves under screw cap versus over a cork, long, long time. Cork. Yeah, fair, yeah, no, exactly. fair enough. But then again, you know, if you have a if you have a cork mm-hmm. and there's something wrong with the cork, does it fault? No matter how long it is, it's the wine screwed and screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It should be under screw cap. Anyway, sorry about that. Good. Um, <laughs> okay, no, this warrants it's full, another episode. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the other thing is, um <coughs> We're meant to be wrapping this up now. I know. No, sorry. Okay. I won't go on, but no, I'm just saying that I am a fan of sort of the traditional, you know, the theatre of opening up a cork myself. I'm a bit of a traditionalist, I think, even though I've tasted amazing wines from screw cap. Um but the fact is that you have a certain amount of cork taint that comes from faulty corks and TCA and so on. So people like Chester Osborne are sort of saying out with the cork, you know, it's too it's too risky to be using them and, you know, for, for high quality wines. So I get it. I get the arguments for and against, but I think there's a lot to this topic. So we'll we'll cover it again. OK, and speaking of um, different types of closures and that, what about alternative vessels for your wine being in? So well, you're the expert on this one. Linda, well, because I, you you've know. just been on Sean Moncrief talking about all the possibilities. So why don't you well, share yeah, with us you, your look, insights? As, as I said, like I had to go to a festival. I was dragged, screaming and kicking. I yeah. couldn't wait to get away for a festival. Um, but again, options for festivals are um, cans of wine mm-hmm. um, and also um, bags, like pouches of of wine as well. And I think that they are a really good. Um, alternative vessel. Okay, again, like Antonia with the whole traditional romance notion about, you know, being served or presented a bottle of wine and, and pulling the cork out of it. Love that. But sometimes you just want it. Like last night, I just wanted a beer. Do you know what I mean? I just wanted a beer. I didn't want the whole, ugh. I just wanted a lager. I didn't want anything special. Sometimes the mood has to, and you have to get your head around the fact that wine can be pretty palatable in cans. Yes, it's not going to be one that you're going to lay down and age. It's for the moment. It, Like as we said, wine can usually best uh, within a year to two years. Cans of wine, three months or so, maybe six. I wouldn't be keeping them for, for longer than a year, definitely. Um, but, you know, it's it's so handy for picnics, barbecues, um on the train or bus if if you were going somewhere we need to talk after this (laughs) no I don't mean just anywhere I'm saying if you were going on a journey somewhere yes long journey Um, but no they're great the bag and box uh, pouches Bagnums two like one and a half litre of wine what was the one we tasted 
Um, that was the um, Rufo- how do you pronounce that? Rufosco, Rufosco, Rufosco yeah. uh, from Veneto in Italy. Uh, that's a wine by Wine Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely, do you know what? I tried the red and the Sauvignon Blanc and the Pinot Grigio, and the Pinot Grigio was my was my favourite white. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good quality. Mm-hmm. I actually they do an amazing offer on online. Um, they they deserve a shout out as far as I'm concerned here because um, it's two. Bagnums, so two one and a half liters for fifty euro, so mm-hmm. it works out at twelve fifty uh, a bottle if you were oh, buying wow. the alternative, okay. and it's really palatable. Now it says they last six weeks once they're open. It didn't last like six hours. Have you tried and tested that? Yes. Oh, no, so. no, I haven't tried and tested. It's gone. <laughs> so if you want to send me any more, <laughs> I'll happily, uh, I'll happily taste it over six weeks and let you know. As in, it's a, it's a worthy exercise to kind of test yeah. that out, right? Mm. Mm. So definitely, and uh, yeah, so definitely try, you know, time and place, picnics, yeah, etc. But not, uh, and if you just want a simple glass and you don't want to open a bottle. Yeah, I think it's definitely gaining traction now, for sure. Maybe it's the season we're in as well, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a trend that keeps kind of growing. I think in the UK they've embraced a huge amount of options. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I suppose it's a question of quality. I get what you're saying. You're saying, look, don't expect to have uh, a wine in a can that's going to be a phenomenal quality. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but you could still, I still think that there are more offerings out there that are higher in quality than what we've seen before. I think producers are sort of gearing themselves to offering that bit more in quality. Some of them are. Which is because the main thing about this is, though, forget about the festival and barbecues and all that. It's more sustainable okay. and eco-friendly. Okay. I didn't even this mention is, that. I know. Sorry. Yeah. No, but this is one thing I wanted to bring up with you because I am definitely not the expert on this. You are. Um, so, first of all, there's a question of quality and we know that there is everything that there's sort of two ends of the spectrum when it comes to quality in these cans, bag and bag and box and, and pouches and so on. On the low end, you have sort of wines of the EU, which are basically blends of wines, the sort of, I don't, I don't want to use the word, the dregs, but sort of, sorry. Okay, dregs of society. The dregs into of society. Go on. No, wines of the EU, which are blends of, of, of wines, entry level, basic quality wines that go into these um, cans and, and pouches and so on. And, um, and now we're seeing higher quality from Italy, Spain, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. Um, so that's that's encouraging. It would encourage me based on the tasting I did with you, the Refosco and what was the other one? we did at Garnacha as well. And I mm-hmm. thought they were drinking really well, but I wasn't expecting anything super complex. I was expecting it to be fresh, fruity and just what it's Your expectations were pretty low and they were exceeded. And the only yeah. thing I'd say, though, about the, the a nice, like the, the can of Garnacha, right? Yeah. And again, Quillo was a semi-sparkling Italian wine I had. And it was so complex. I wouldn't drink that out of the can, though. Okay. I would bring a plastic so is, glass with this me. This is what I was yeah. going to say to you. Mm-hmm. I still think, I mean, I have a bit of an issue drinking a wine out of a can. Mm-hmm. I, th- I still think I'd need a receptacle or a vessel or something to pour it into mm-hmm. before drinking. Especially in the case of a pouch, you have to. Yeah. So you're still, it, it, while it's convenient, you're still needing, you know, a vessel. And the other thing is air. So I think in the case of a decent quality wine, you still want a little bit of air contact to kind of unlock ah, aromas and flavours. Not, not for these, like. The Quillo Semi-Sparkling was stunning. 
from a glass. I felt like I was drinking. It wasn't a Prosecco. It was way better. It was between a Prosecco and a Cava. What was the, um, what's the, what was Trebbiano the, and some other grape okay. beginning with or that I can't remember. Um, rough. I don't know. Can't remember. Okay. But it was absolutely stunning. Um, okay. Really, really nice. Now, in terms of the environmental credentials that you just mentioned. Yeah. At face value, I would totally agree. I'm like, you know, sustainability, this is the way to go. We know it means far less fuel costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a while before you know, consumers are going to be completely open to this, but I think it's a, a discussion that has to be had and I'd love to hear from listeners if they've tried them. Yes. Sorry. Go no, on. that's okay. Back to the environmental piece go though on. for a second. You're trying to skip over this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, because I was reading some stats, which I don't have here, but... Um, I think the accuracy of the carbon savings can come under scrutiny because if you follow the life cycle of a can, right? Think about an aluminium can. It has to be mined. It has to be manufactured. I feel like you're giving out to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you're looking at me like a pupil being scolded. I know. No, I'm just asking the question because I don't know enough about the topic. I'm saying the life cycle of a can, it has to be mined, it has to be manufactured and so on. So there's all the... the carbon footprint has to, you know, encompass all of that. Mm-hmm. And versus the life cycle of a bottle of a, a glass bottle. And so what I'm saying is, okay. it, they're, so far from what I'm reading, nobody's able to really say with accuracy what the carbon savings are. Okay. So I'm just saying it's something that we, you know, that's worth looking into. On, on not all of the cans, on one of the cans, it said... Uh, Fully recycled. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the mm -hmm. pluses for the cans. But then on the other side of the mining and the manufacturing, you know. Okay, let's find some expert that would like to come in and into the studio and talk to us about this topic. Wine recommendation, Linda? This week, I'm actually going to um, recommend a rosé. That's a great value little rosé on the market at the moment. Um, because for me, I drink rosé all year round, not just when the weather is nice. Um, and this particular one, I think, is absolutely smashing. It's called Domaine La Colombette. Is that right? Yes. Oh, getting better at this uh, <laughs> pronouncing foreign languages. <laughs> uh, and it is uh, a Grenache wine from France, obviously, La Colombette. And uh, it's only around 13 euro in, in independent wine stores. And it's just really got gorgeous, lovely um, ripe strawberry fruit. It's 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 quite pale in colour as well. I know some people think that if it's a darker, it's going to be sweeter in style. This is the dry style and um, lovely strawberry, nice fresh acidity. It's nice and crisp and clean. And I would drink this 100% on its own, but it's really nice with um, an Asian duck salad as well. I had it with recently. And it was just really, really nice. So quiche, um, omelettes, simple little pastas and salads, things like that. And that is um, imported by Cassidy Wines. Very good. Actually, that's a big seller for us. Is it? Yeah, yeah no, it, 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 I know Judevan in Port Marnock uh, gets it by the pallet load. Uh, they, they go through so much of that. So I think it's a really great value, Rosé, and uh, a little banker there. Lovely. Sounds great. What about you? What's your recommendation this week? I went for an Albarino um, this time because I don't think we've recommended one yet. And I, I actually was only recently thinking about the tasting that I went to, which was hosted by yourself on the magnificent Lady Coil MW. Mm-hmm. And um, we went uh, through quite a lot of Alvarinos in, in that tasting. We did. It was a big masterclass on 
we are spicious. Is that right? That's right. We are spices. <laughs> so there were two albariños that stood out for me at that tasting. One was Lynn's own albariño um, that she makes up in, in um, Rias Spices. It's called Gale. It's absolutely G-E-A-L. Go- yeah, it's gorgeous. I think, though, um, probably out of stock by now. I yeah, think the last I drank, vintage. I drank a lot of that this year. Yeah. Yeah, but, but a really was, reasonably priced one as well. Yeah, it's just gorgeous, really succulent and fresh and saline and citrusy. Everything you want from a, an amazing Albarino. And, Sorry, and just yeah. Lynn Coyle, some people don't know who Lynn is. They should. She is a master of wine Who as does well. not know who I Lynn know. is? And look, you see, you never know who's going to be listening in. Uh, so Lynn, Lynn Coyle is a master of wine and O'Brien's uh, wine director. So that's who Lynn is. Yes, I actually was was going to talk about Lynn in one of our episodes. She's um, a huge inspiration to me and an unofficial mentor on on the program, but uh, a mentor of all sorts to me. And she's the reason that I'm on the program, to be honest. She's the person who encouraged me and and backed me to a certain extent. So I am, yeah, I am indebted to her. She's very invested in education in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, uh, and she gets, you know, Nothing in return. It's all voluntary. It's all out of her own very precious and rare spare time. And uh, I just think she's an amazing woman. She's an example to all of us. So, yeah. She's so easy to work with as well, which is so nice. Yeah, she's fab. She's fabulous. Okay, Lynn, you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we could talk about Lynn, to be honest, for the whole episode. But um, another female winemaker is responsible for the second Alvarino, which was the one I was going to mention in this episode. Her name is Paola Fandinho, pretty sure is her name. Uh, she makes the Mar de Frades Alvarino, which is very distinctive for that slender blue bottle that it's packaged in. Um, yeah, this one, again, it's it's really juicy and, you know, succulent and it's got citrus fruits and, you know, it's floral notes, juicy pear notes. Uh, it's really intense, really lively, refreshing acidity and, and a saline kind of uh, finished to yeah it. I was definitely going to say yeah. that's one that stood out because um, you know Marja Friday doesn't that mean by the sea or something like that so it's got a lovely saline note to it as well um, that doesn't isn't in every Alvarino but uh, that's, that's a great one and it comes in Magnum as well yes, uh, so yes. it's a real showstopper I'd say so I mean look it's made uh, in the Val dos Alnes which is quite northerly and coastal so definitely shows that influence of the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. and um, you know, that Atlantic breeze and it has quite um, poor granitic soils down there as well. So it really comes through in that minerality. Um, yeah, fabulous. 19.20 euro, I think, uh, imported by CNC Gleason's or Ben the Night Beckham, as you like to call them. Food pairing, I mean, all the things that a gorgeous Alvarino can pair with, you know, oysters, uh, cooked or raw seafood, you know, your sushi, uh, grilled, pan-fried, white fish. Um, the drum roll for me, please, Antonia. <laughs> okay, so it's quiz time. Let me get the timer. Okay, quiz are time. you ready, Antonia? Ready. Okay, so I am a vessel made of clay that wines can be fermented in. And aged in. And um, aged in. Amphora. Amphora, A-M-P-H-O-R-A. Yes. We'll get into or amphoras later. This type of wine generally has alcohol over 15%. And anything else to add? 
and it has uh, it's specially made some uh, grapes are dried in the process of making it. A maroni. A maroni. Okay, you needed a clue there, did you? I did. I did put a on few the... things now. You're a little bit, you know, cryptic. Okay. Uh, this particular um, producer is in Bordeaux, extremely famous, and the wine and very expensive. The wine is made from the Merlot grape. Very expensive. It would it be Petrus? It would. Chateau Petrus. Mm-hmm. The dream wine for any wine lover. Okay, this dog has just produced a new celebrity wine. Dog. This dog <laughs> oh, has just yes. produced. Actually, yes, I do. Um, we happened upon this the other day, didn't we? Yeah. Snoop Dog. I wish I could sing some of <laughs> I song. see you trying to <laughs> rap out a, okay, a yeah, tune no, there. Right. So Snoop Dog has his own wine, folks. Have I got one more? Let me see. Uh, can you not oh, read my handwriting? Type handwriting. Yeah. Here, type down. How fast can the cork fly out of a champagne bottle? <laughs> Better than the speed of light. <laughs> and you don't want to be in the way, but anyway, I bet you it'll hurt. Not at a whopping 50 miles per hour. That's something else. You wouldn't want to get one of those in the eye. Until next week, folks, we look forward to you tuning in and as always if you have any questions for us pop us an email at rwinepodcast at gmail.com actually can i say one more thing here Linda? yeah so next episode can i say what it is about um i hope you can because i can't remember okay so it's going to be about wine regions and oh, some yeah, of yeah, our yeah. top ones or ones that we have visited and um, that we would recommend but also where are we going on monday evening? we are going to rueda rueda very good so, um, yes, so on Monday we are off to Rueda for a fantastic trip, visit to the wine region. Um, for people who don't know Rueda, it is the uh, DO that produces Verdejo wines, among other wines. Verdejo. 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 Um, yeah, uh, we are going to Rueda, which is, for people who don't know, the home of Verdejo wine, the Verdejo grape variety, um, uh, among other wines, must mm-hmm. be said. So, Verdejo, really interesting wine, really up-and-coming white wine, a really nice alternative for Sauvignon Blanc uh, drinkers. But we are going to be visiting something like 13 wineries in three three days, days. as well as all the lovely meals we're going to have. So we're going to do a full uh, episode on that trip and watch out for our uh, Instagram page because I'm sure we will be updating that with our little wine adventure. Excellent. Really excited, can't wait. Yay! We're going to great. Okay. Until next week. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.